0: Welcome to Creating Synergy, where we explore what it takes to transform. We are powered by Synergy IQ. Our mission is to help leaders create world-class businesses where people are safe, valued, inspired, and fulfilled. We can only do this with our amazing community. So thank you for listening.
1: Hey there, Synergizers, and welcome back to another episode of the Creating Synergy podcast. My name is Daniel Franco and today we have the pleasure of having an innovation specialist on the show. Her name is Cass Gannon. Cass is an experienced senior leader and innovation specialist with a background across multiple sectors in mining, manufacturing, not-for-profit and local government. She's currently working for the city of Marion as a project manager and performance and innovation leader And is known for her ability to scan the external environment looking for opportunities, especially within those emerging technology space. As a mother of two beautiful 10-year-old twin girls, Cass is also a part-time lecturer at the Flinders University, teaching her students about all things innovation and creative thinking. While on top of this is a mentor in the Innovative Manufacturing Accelerator for Flinders New Venture Institute. I absolutely love this chat with Cass as we spoke about all things innovation, disruption, leadership, and we touched on the learnings and experiences within the local government space. This is a must listen for those who are looking to create an innovative culture within their business, especially for those who are within local government. I hope you enjoy So welcome back to the Creating Synergy podcast. My name is Daniel Franco, your host. And today we have an innovation expert by the name of Cass Gannon. Cassandra Gannon, how are you, Cass?
2: Good, thank you. Cassandra is my parents' name. That'll so me if I'm in trouble. So maybe Cass is good. We'll stick with Cass,
1: <laughs> perfect. Now, Cass, because we are going, we do have a, a theme on innovation today, I'm going to ask, I'm going to start off a bit differently. And I'm going to throw two words out there and I want to see if you can pick up what I'm, I'm going I'm on. I'm, I'm actually trying to achieve. Okay. I'm, All right. You're intrigued? Yep. Yeah, yep.
2: Yeah, interested.
1: Willy Wonka. Ah, uh,
2: yes. <laughs> chocolate factory. <laughs> chocolate factory. Yes. Can you
1: um, can elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So Willy Wonka for me means uh, manufacturing chocolate in Adelaide in um, Arnott's. Biscuits.
1: Excellent, so that's where you started, that's where you have worked previously in your career? Yes,
2: one, one of my jobs in manufacturing, so I always think of Willy Wonka adventure, creativity and all the fun I had in um, my time in manufacturing in general.
1: Beautiful, so tell us a little bit about how working in a biscuit factory got you to, uh, to where you are today as an innovation expert.
2: It's interesting because I think it goes back to... Even before then, I started in glass manufacturing and mining equipment manufacturing and um, was always pegged as someone who came up with good ideas but then made them happen because everyone has great ideas and it's about, so innovations to me isn't just about great ideas. Lots of people have great ideas, but it's around creating value for users in and, and with that, yeah. whatever the value is. And being able to put those ideas into action that creates value in your context is where um, I have always loved working. And so if I look at my time in glass manufacturing, I think, you know, back when I started in glass manufacturing, they had autonomous vehicles. Oh, really? Yeah. And I'm not telling you when because they give away my age. However, However, you know, they are talking like technologically very advanced. Yeah, wow. And so when you're in that kind of incubation space and you're forming your career around in an environment that encourages taking risk and has probably a lot of money to do so, it shapes you in a really fascinating way. And you, I think for me seeing something so advanced so early in my career was uh, very formative because each uh, workplace I've gone to, some of those things are still not in place in some of the sectors of their joints so yeah, it wow. gives you a vision of the future and what's possible
1: so the glass factory had auto- automated vehicles auto- yeah autonomous, autonomous vehicles, vehicles. Yeah. and arnott's when you moved over to there they didn't pay. uh
2: they had a lot of innovation happening but um i was able to uh, get across the line a large improvement capital works improvement Project which was automating the manual case packing on the end of the line so yeah. putting in robotics using advanced technology to kind of solve a people problem
1: so going back before that what's your what's your background then like obviously manufacturing but did you study what did you study at university uh, or I was... did
2: a bachelor of minerals processing
1: oh wow so something completely out of the uh... Ordinary, from an innovation perspective. Yes, and
2: uh, <laughs> I, uh, if you want to talk about material science, happy to talk about it. So technically, I'm a metallurgist, oh, there, my yeah. background, yeah. and um, all things gold, gold flotation.
1: <laughs> I will talk shares after and where, okay. and, where, <laughs> and, where, and where to invest. So you've started working Glass Factory, Arnott's, uh, Biscuit Factory. You've seen a lot of innovation and forward thinking. Where did your career go from there?
2: So it's fascinating. This is a really pivotal point and I believe in, I'm not sure it's light bulb movements, but uh, things coming together that pivot your career, pivot your life in general. And I um, have 10-year-old twin daughters, so it's quite pivotal in changing a life. It creates
1: a new sense of purpose.
2: uh, Definitely. And it was very fascinating for me that, when I was on maternity leave, I got more sleep with newborn twins than when I was at my full-time gig <laughs> at the biscuit factory.
1: Yeah, wow. Is that just purely you're running yourself into the ground or...?
2: Uh, interesting point, maybe. Uh, but it's also being on pool part of okay. the gig I was doing. Yep. I was manufacturing manager there. And so if the line broke down in a 24-7 operation,
3: yeah,
1: wow.
2: you're all, the bug stops with you. So... Um, my so you got, so you got would a bit like of a break. Out of the
1: room. So you got a bit of a break when you had, had the Having twins. Girls,
2: yeah. yeah, which which people find hilarious. Yeah, which
1: is a bit odd. Yeah. <laughs> I struggled. We struggled with one. He had two. There's singletons are <laughs> like, touch my hand, you guys
2: aren't even trying. Absolutely. <laughs> Just kidding. But um, so with with the girls, I went, mm, how am I going to sustain this going back into the workplace in that kind of environment? Mm-hmm. And I was looking for a much more, I suppose, family-friendly sector. Mm -hmm. And my dad has, um, I come from a long line of public servants, Mm -hmm. and I broke the mould going into the private sector. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, looking at my broader family, I felt, well, I look around in the government, and I landed a gig in local government.
1: In local government. Yes. And your career took a turn from there then?
2: Yeah, and I think when I reflected... Um, it's funny, I actually had a lot of time to reflect when I was at home on maternity leave and um, I found that in, uh, in that reflection I thought, well, I've had these girls, I'd like to spend time with them, but I also found that I wanted to give back mm. to uh, the broader community and I thought, well, how can I do that if I don't want to go back into that manufacturing space? How can I transfer skills from manufacturing, being an engineer, manufacturing management background, into another sector? And so I looked at what I had to offer and I thought, oh, lean manufacturing is something people talk about. I've done Six Sigma,
3: yep.
2: all continuous improvement facilitation. All these skills added to it it was an interesting opportunity in
1: business process improvement and innovation. Looking, uh, just going into your mindset of of wanting to give back to the community, is that something that's sort of intrinsic in you? Where does that come from? Have you always been, you know, worked in a giving way as in the sense of always trying to do your best for South Australia uh, or the community that you work in?
2: Yeah, I think for me I've always ended up taking a mentoring role in any organisation I'm in or giving extra, you know, when you volunteer to look for staff to be involved in this program or that program on a voluntary basis. I've always put my hand up. Mm -hmm. Um, But also I think intrinsically I grew up in a very low socioeconomic area in Mm -hmm. South Australia. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at uni, I uh, was a mentor for other students from low socioeconomic backgrounds. So them coming into the university environment, often I found a lot of my peers at uni in first year had people I went to school with. Mm. I had not yeah, many. No even I don't think I had anyone in the stream I was doing. And so I would mentor them in their first few months in uni Teach them some of the skills, you know, connect them in social groups and support networks.
1: What drove you to do that? Like, why step outside of your comfort zone?
2: I think about, you know, how would I feel if I had that? And I did have key did, yeah, people yeah. in my life. Who, so I think of a year 12 chemistry teacher. Okay. He took on an extra workload so that he, we could do year 12 chemistry. Because if we couldn't, I couldn't have gone into the engineering degree I wanted. And there were, weren't enough students for him, for the school to run the program. So he took on an extra workload. And if he hadn't done that, I think there's another...
1: What's his name? Can we uh,
2: uh, Mr. Wilkie. Mr. Wilkie. Yeah. <laughs> what school? Uh, Paralawi High Par- School. Par-
1: Paralawi. So Mr. Wilkie from Parallawi, is he still there? Do you know? I don't. You I don't think a... he is on Google. If he's thing. listening.
2: Please, thank you so much. And it's interesting too because two other peers in that group ended up doing
3: engineering as well.
1: There you go. So... It's amazing. I, I, I've got a few friends that are school teachers and we often have this conversation on, a, on how much influence one human being can have on a young child or a young teenager growing up in the careers. You know, what, one comment can change someone's life, really. It's just really important to always be considering the words that we're saying.
2: And be kind, I think. Um, and it also is interesting because that, Kind of is an interesting segue into another thing I'm doing in uh, lecturing in the innovation at uh, Flinders uh, Uni. So, you're giving back yet again? Yes, yes.
1: So, you're C- so actually going into that, you're at City of Marion now. Yes. Working in an innovation project management space. Yes. Doing a lot of interesting things there.
2: Yes, we're implementing a new customer relationship management system for our community.
1: Excellent. It's always a handy thing to have to, to keep track of. I get some good data from it. Absolutely, yes. And Flinders Uni, so you're lecturing at Flinders. What are you doing there? Uh,
2: it's, um, I'm lecturing. I'm part of the innovation and enterprise um, academic team and I'm lecturing in the innovation and creative
3: thinking.
1: Brilliant. So how do you become an expert in innovation?
2: Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think you can be an expert. Yeah. So it's... that's an interesting term for me. I think you can always learn. Mm-hmm. I
1: think well, you we're can always... just
2: build your craft. So I think I'm a practitioner.
1: So what are, we, what are we teaching these children? though? They walk in and we go, right over, we're going to learn about innovation. What are we teaching them?
2: Uh, a lot of it's empathy with others. So okay. we teach a design thinking framework. Oh, yes. And um, we the take them through that process mm-hmm. where they feel uncomfortable but in a safe environment. So we're asking, you know, and it's a mixed cohort from many different discipline backgrounds. hmm so you've got first-year IT students who you're saying, okay, well, we, um, our uh, course topic coordinator has said, you know, it's a good idea to have a real problem to solve because otherwise you end up with problems like my internet is slow. It's first-world problem, <laughs> yeah. not a real-world problem. Yeah, yeah. So we're aligned to the UN sustainability goals and so yeah. we ask them to choose one of those to work on and then we say, okay, we'll have empathy you know, for quality education or Absolutely. no gender equality, that kind of thing.
1: The UN sustainability goals. What are, can you quickly describe what they are?
2: Well, I think they're the they're the goals of the UN for the next period of time. I've had can't remember the dates, but around um, world peace, justice for all, okay, life below water, and they're they're basically the
3: world
1: life below water. Yeah, so you know, as in. Looking after the fish and everything, yeah, like that, after or, or, the or creating ecosystem. Okay, yeah, no, yeah. no. So not putting a glass yeah. little house underneath. It could be <laughs> you know, in an innovative way. So looking after the ecosystem underneath. Yes. The, what you can't see, essentially, the, the reefs and the, the fish, and, and the, then there's
2: climate change is one of, on them, of that those as kind as well. of things. Yeah.
1: So when you teach to that from an innovation perspective, how does it all bundle together?
2: Well, I think the design thinking framework does that. Does that for you, okay. Yeah, but you go through a number of phases of diverging and converging. Uh So in the problem space, you try and understand that really deeply and you do that by having empathy with those who have the problem Yeah, exist in that ecosystem. So
1: understanding where they're coming from.
2: Yeah, and then once you've got that, you converge around what problem you're trying to solve Uh and then you do the same for solution mode.
1: Brilliant. Brilliant. What, in your opinion, what are the most critical factors of innovation?
3: I like to
2: call it it creative risk-taking.
1: Creative risk-taking. I like it.
2: So for me, if you can't take risk, or calculated really, you need to be able to assess and take risk without... Too much consequence if it doesn 't go right, because if you just play the safe
3: road, it will never yes. lead
1: anywhere in the end of it. so being strategic about the risks
3: yeah. you take
1: does that when you talk about strategic risk taking or creative risk taking, does that require a lot of thought process into actually trying to figure out what we're what we are going to innovate? How do you come up with ideas how do you where do you? Um, what's the low-hanging fruit to start thinking or creating a culture of innovation?
2: Um, the low-hanging fruit for me is something like, for example, in the city of Marion, innovation is one of our corporate values,
3: mm-hmm. and yep. so that
2: Makes straight away, yep, puts it as a topic on the table. We have our performance management process aligned around
3: that. Right. So
2: you have one of our our things in our performance development plans is innovation, how are you living that value? And then we have leadership capabilities aligned to that too. So Brilliant. being innovative and creating a culture of innovation is expected. Of leaders.
1: Are they, so when you say innovation is one of the values, which in my head tells me we actually want to create a culture of innovation. So we're, we're open to mistakes, we're yes. open to failure, yes. we're open to losing money.
3: Yes, public <laughs> money, big Well, this is a this
1: is the question. I knew that's where you were going to go with because, especially in the government space, local government space, innovation can cause uh, well some some uh, financial uh, hardship purely because you might have gone down a path and spent a bit of money and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the learnings that come from that. Yeah. How, how do we justify? to the community that we want to try something new that may not work?
2: Oh, that's so difficult. <laughs> that's such a difficult question. Mm. I think it's about uh, gaining trust. You have to do things on a platform of trust mm-hmm. and Absolutely. you do that over time by delivering the basics well and with excellence. Okay. So for me, what comes into my head is there's a really great in IT space uh, Gartner model around um, IT systems.
3: Yes,
1: yeah, so it's a Gartner. Gartner. G A R T N E R. Gartner model. Yes, you
2: can buy a subscription. It's amazing. You Google it. It's got... Excellent. They're a really amazing source of information and best practice, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, what, what they talk about is you have systems of diff, uh, record, which might be your finance system. You have systems of differentiation, which, you know, you could say assets might go in there or other and have system of innovation and those systems you should govern in a different way yeah. and I view the same in my head is innovation so you might have continuous improvement for uh, local government would be ninety percent of what you do mm-hmm. and then the next layer of um, adjacent innovation which is taking an idea that already exists and just tweaking it mm-hmm. to make it better yep based on user feedback and problems you've identified would be like 8% and the 1% or 2% would be that out there
3: innovation when you're talking like Uber when it happens.
1: Yeah, because there's this common misconception that you need to spend millions of dollars to to innovate, right? It's not just in technology, but it's the way we think about our customers and what we're delivering to them and how we can add value to them and processes where we can save money. uh, And people in the business generally know where some of those areas are where we can improve straight away. Yes, so,
2: and that's why I think in it's very contextual innovation. So in uh, you know, grass manufacturing or big miners, you might be able to spend a million dollars on something and take a risk. Yeah, and if it doesn't pay back, hmm, well, oops. Yeah, we we learn. made a hundred million over here with yeah. well, this other one.
1: We learn a hundred million dollar lesson. Correct. But, yeah.
2: However, in local government or even state, any government, I would say you'd be looking at continuous improvement as the bulk yes. of your effort. Makes sense. Put frameworks in Small there. Small steps. Yeah, structure them. It's like the system of record in IT. With finance, you want that heavily governed. You don't want people innovating on your payroll system if it means people don't get paid correctly and on time.
1: Correct, yeah. Well, it's, it's not... It's doing, yeah, small steps I think is probably the best way of, of explaining it. It's how do we improve efficiencies. Yes. Um, and I think
2: yeah. if you as a customer saw that generally things were improving over time, rates didn't go up 20%, you know, over three years or whatever, yeah. that's where you gain trust.
1: Absolutely. It's a long-term game you get to play. You can't just come in, swing the axe and go, right, right, we're going to bring in this new widget. No. Um because you're right though, you look at, even for me as you know, looking at my council, I, I believe um that I'm in the city of Charles Stir Council and I and I believe that they're very forward thinking and they're always improving things and to be honest, if they were not uh if they were not improving things, I would then question what, what are they doing? So yeah, the, the continuous impu- uh, improvement becomes an expectation. Yes from the from the community.
2: And if you look at generally society, so society pressures like we exist in a broader mm-hmm. society mm-hmm. Yeah. and the expectations of businesses or of governments change over time. Mm-hmm. And you need to keep up with that. Otherwise yeah. people are like, well why do you need to be here?
1: Absolutely. So do you think local government and government in general might be a bit different, but do you think one of the biggest drivers of innovation is com- Competition.
2: Yeah, and that's interesting when you think of it in a government context because who is your competitor? Yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, well, there are some businesses, uh utilities, specifically in South Australia, who have somewhat of a monopoly. Right. So being innovative, how do you stay Ahead of the curve when you don't really need to, I guess, in, in from a financial perspective. Because that's
2: interesting because it's also about do you want to keep your staff? Well yes, you true. know, like you can be bringing in money and be a monopoly, but if you have no one to deliver those services because you're a backward organisation, the yeah. culture isn't very great right to be in. Yeah, you know, there's some there's that proposition too, and I think if I think about employee um, experience. And the correlation to customer experience. There's an answer right there around why would you? Yes. Or you'd end up like Kodak. Correct. That's the other thing, right? Other some listeners might be too young to know that. But um, you know, the digital camera, you don't even buy film anymore. But they failed to innovate. And that's that's easier to understand from a competitive private business perspective. But it's the same in government if you don't keep up
1: someone will replace you absolutely we well, you, you i think kodak is one nokia oh yeah is kodak. the other well, I knew nokia I still earned Vili- yeah <laughs> uh, everyone i a was great nokia yeah. phone. <laughs> the hundred percent. <Yeah>, <laughs> i had the highest snake score you could ever get on that thing. <laughs> i was the envy of all my friends uh i they were one but they're still making billions of dollars though a year but but they, but they could be. They should have been oh. the world leader. They were, uh, they were by far and away ahead of everyone else. Yes. And then, um, Mr. Mr. Jobs That's came, great. came up with something different. And
2: however, the reason that Apple overtook is because he gave consumers what they didn't even know they needed. Yes, and that is empathy.
1: Yeah, thinking about something in a way that you haven't seen before yeah. there's there's a adelaide um startup company called space Talk. oh
2: yes i've got their watches for my two amazing i love them
1: brilliant so they are i'm a shareholder oh, <laughs> good to Recent, recently really? recently uh
2: we might need to talk a well
1: okay. and only only because they're on the asx right so yeah. it's just um i'm actually trying to get the ceo on the on the on the podcast and uh, we'll, we'll talk about that another time. But they, I look at their company, and you know, being an Adelaide-based company and in a, a South Australian um, podcast, we are really interested in what's happening around the world. Uh, around sorry, South Australia, from a startup perspective, yes. they were able to think about something in a different way. The, for so long, uh, I've always thought how do I get in contact with my children when they're at school? Yeah. And I don't want them to get into social medias. I yeah. don't want them to have a phone. I don't want them to ring in their friends, texting I their friends. I don't
3: want them things. taking photos. And t- t-
1: exactly, taking photos 100%. And they've solved this problem by creating this watch. So you, to say I, I actually look at that from the same perspective as... Um,
2: but uh, would you have said you needed a watch to cool your kid?
1: No, you would a year ago. No, I was thinking. Uh, be like a phone. How do I get one without
2: a camera? But then I
1: lose it. Well, my mind went down the i the old iPod, going back to the iPod and and actually being able to control something like that. So it was like almost like a phone, but without the. But then. But then the I app like, store, I right? Can't yeah, lose that. yeah, hundred percent of the time. <laughs> it's I true. would have to buy one every week. <laughs> Brilliant. Um. So, going back into local, sort of the government perspective of innovation, how how do you innovate in a world of bureaucracy and red tape, and and how do you avoid? So, if if you're if you have innovation as uh, as your one of your values, and, and I, I'm not specifically talking about Marianne, I'm talking about okay. a, in general, yeah. then to get something over the line, you got to get it signed off 16 times by up up the – are you being really true to your value of innovation if that's the case?
2: Well, I think it's about how you set it up. Mm. So for going back to that continuous improvement piece, mm-hmm. 100% you need governance around those things. But you can set up a framework that addresses that for your entire program and then you almost – it's not a delegation formally in government – governance, but mm-hmm. almost, you can delegate levels of risk that you're happy for people to take, signed off by their team leader or signed off by their manager, and then you let them loose within those boundaries. Mm-hmm. So you create that for the bulk of your program. Yep. And then for the next level, you would think about, okay, well, what business case do I need? What okay. return on investment are we going to yeah. maybe get out of here? And return isn't just financial. So you know, is there a huge customer experience improvement? Yeah. Is there a trust? Is there a legislative compliance improvement? Yeah, those kind of things.
1: So, this so structure
2: stu- so that you can be creative and free within.
1: Yeah, so it's not safety. A, so it's per- perfect. So I was going to say it's not about just saying you know someone out in the region or whatever it might be. We might go try something new and go, hey, I was being innovative. I was living to the values. It's about working within a a structured.
2: But you structure it so that there's freedom within that. If that sounds counterintuitive, you're setting up a framework, but framework gives you boundaries.
1: Well, you're empowering people to to make choices. Yeah, you give
2: templates, then you coach. And that's, I think, a huge role.
1: So we're empowering people to change small stuff. Big stuff I need to ask questions.
2: Yeah, and I think that's reasonable from a... Cost perspective. Yeah, and a public um, a transparency and public yeah. funds. And, you know, we're entrusted with that. So we need to respect that. Yeah. I think if I said to you, oh, I'm going to put up a new initiative bid and I'll uh, get council to sign off on the 100K where I can just play do what I think is cool... Yep.
3: I don't think that would sell well on the front cover of an advertising.: No. You know, it no. might sell well, but it would sell <laughs> yeah. <down> well, sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: So looking back at City of Marion or any local government or government organisation or public company or private company that might be at a point where they're saying, righto, I need to innovate. Where do we start?
2: I think you have to start with leadership and culture, and it has to come from the top. So it has to be led from the top but delivered from the bottom. So there's a, you know, if you draw the pyramid of hierarchy, mm-hmm. you have like CEO at the top, executive.
1: Yep, the five, the five level yep. or whatever it might be. You yep. flip
2: that upside down. That's yep. what innovation is about. Okay. So it's, you get the the why from the top, Yep. But the
3: how from the bottom.
1: So the the the, the, the larger mass of, of people are they're the ones that understand where we need to innovate more so. Yes. Not the board of directors, not the CEO. They
2: might know the problems that we're facing and the why. It's so important, but you've got to share that so that people get motivated yeah. to change. Because it was just because we think it's a good idea. Yeah. Well, Absolutely, it's not nothing <coughs> for me to do
1: that. Well, I think what you said before is about starting small, and generally, it's that front line that will understand the small what spaces to start and the small areas to start. What can we improve? Do to improve?
2: Do you know how exciting it is when you get a team hmm. of frontline workers to stand up in front of their executive team and pitch their idea and share why it's a good idea, yeah. why customers think we need it and what it's going to bring to the business. Yeah.
1: It's a bit like Shark Tank. I'm looking for totally. $300,000 investment for 20% Correct. of my company. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah, that, yeah, it would be very exciting, especially for them because they're, they're, they're able to enact some change. Yeah.
2: But then you take them through one process like that and then that filters into everything that they do from there on.
3: Mm.
2: So then you get this organic growth
3: that
1: just,
2: you know, you create a movement so to speak. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So your advice to leaders who are looking to become more innovative is to look at your front line? Is that your advice or is there any other advice that you would have?
2: I think it's a good start. But trust your people, speak to them, go and walk, spend a day in their shoes. So there's a great um, – I'm not a purist in my approach. I adopt the best – I build my toolkit and mm-hmm. I adopt the best tool for the situation really? so I don't say go and do lean thinking go and do Six Sigma, You must do um, Plan Do Check Act. Yeah,
1: cipher chain. There's yeah. so many other ways to skin a cat. It's, 100%. It's, yeah. But it's
2: about what makes sense for you contextually, using language that is meaningful in your business. Mm-hmm. So you, I remember when I joined, um, I actually went from um, manufacturing into the City of West Arms. Mm-hmm. And starting there, I thought, oh, we can talk about going to Gemba and doing Kanban boards, or we can talk about visual management, and we can talk about going to sea and walking a mile in someone's shoes. And, you know, it's making the language... Because if you make the language a barrier, instantly people think, oh, I don't want to ask, I don't want to look silly. Hmm. So don't isolate through some of that kind of
3: purity.
1: Yes. Well, in a, in a culture... An innovative culture asking those silly questions would be okay. would be welcome, wouldn't it?
2: Yeah, but it's just starting.
1: Correct. Might be still a few few egos <laughs> floating around. How do you, how do you overcome ego? Someone that uh, you put put together a good idea, we put it forward, and it just keeps getting shut shut down, even though you know this is the best idea for the customer. You know, you, there would definitely be frontline management who would would feel. Uh, the executives aren't listening to me. How do we handle those situations?
3: I
2: think it's a great opportunity for coaching and development mm-hmm.
1: because
2: you know you can, with enough work and uh, under insight and understanding, I think you can get most things across the line if they make sense.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But there could be a point where you certain decision makers have information that you can't have access to. Yep. And that's when you have to trust that maybe after a few goes, maybe you need to start again and challenge your own thinking around what you're putting up.
1: I think you're right. I think coaching is a huge part because you think about, you mentioned before building a business case, right? Uh And asking the frontline management or frontline team to build a business case is for, for for people who may very well be, you know, fitter and turners and welders and whatnot, mm-hmm. who haven't really got that skill set to build a business, so this is just what we need. I can make it. We just need to make, make hundreds of it or whatever it might be, um, and we're so we need some cash to be able to do it. How do we get? How do we get those ideas across the line? I think um,
2: I always, I always, always. That's
1: you shouldn't say words, <laughs> often. Shouldn't
2: say should. No. <laughs> <laughs> or sorry, or just. Or <laughs> so many words. I try and strip out my
1: yeah. vocab, and yeah.
2: they come back
1: in. They do. Oh. That's what We actually we said it before. Language is such a uh, important thing.
2: Very influential. I feel like I often have been asked in through my career as an improvement and innovation practitioner well, why do you need in that role in an organisation? Because does that make them responsible for – are they the only – are you saying they're the only innovative person? Yes. You know, and it's like, well, no. But for me, if you want that skill set in your business and you don't have it, how do you get it? You bring in someone who can set up the frameworks, yeah. the template, coach, develop people, build internal capability is always – a critical piece and then you know m- my role is always to do myself out of a role
3: yeah
1: absolutely that should be Make my eternal game mm-hmm.
2: yeah that, that's my long-term, long-term plan in any organization
1: how do i fix this place that i don't need me anymore <laughs> well set it how, up so they do, can how do we add value yeah, yeah, yeah exactly
2: and i think i always love i had a person join city of marion this last week from one of you know, the other councils i've worked at and they're like oh Cass, yes. I don't know if you remember me. I'm like, 100% I remember you, but um, oh, we're still using the visual management board that you talked to us about and we developed as a team with you six years ago. Yeah, wow. And I'm like, ooh, they said it's completely different, it's digital. I'm like, I love it, but I gave you some kind of permission to play Yeah, do something that works for you, not you're told you need to do from your leadership. You know, often you get reporting requirements that you need to deliver on or you know, just general operational management. But how do you want to run your team as a team? You can come
1: up with that together. If it's not working, change it. Absolutely. So I, I, you make a good point. It's almost like you need a chief intrapreneur within, <laughs> within the company, don't you? So someone who actually is always listening to those ideas and understanding the perspectives of the front line or middle management or whatever it might be who are trying to bring in new ideas, but not actually really 100% sure how to get it over the line.
2: Yes, but has the skill set to work with the people, get the insight out of them, because they have that, Um, and then the skill set to maybe
3: support the business case Mm. being created.
1: Absolutely. From a leader's perspective, I am a leader and I want to introduce innovation into my business. What behavioural skill sets do I need? Because you, you said before culture and leadership is two of the most important. Oh, that's
2: the, yeah, the start. That's yeah. foundational stuff. Absolutely. If I think of the Toyota, you know, main pyramid, yep. TPS stuff. You've got to have leadership as a foundation.
1: Leadership is a foundation, so. So what is a skill? Well, because well, to me, leadership, we're talking leadership behaviour. Yes. we're not talking leadership as, as in not just management, management. And, exactly.
2: Yeah. Um, for me, it's about um, open door kind of policy. You know, someone who will listen mm-hmm. and hear what people are saying and be. Uh, comfortable with being challenged on their own views.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I think it's also really important that they have um, the ability to trust their staff mm-hmm. to take some risks without consequence or with a consequence that is, oh, yeah, that didn't go so well. Let's talk about um, next time. Mm-hmm. So learning from rather than punishment for mistakes, mm-hmm. so that's really important. Otherwise, people will hype them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think leader is coach. If I couldn't make a love analogies, they work for me. And um, yeah, I think of a sports coach. Or if you're doing any kind of, you know, I, I have dabbled in weightlifting over time. And um, without a great coach, like, it's very hard to improve on your own. Yes,
3: they are.
2: Um, but if the coach is yelling at me and telling <laughs> me I suck, then that's not really very motivating. Or if I fail and don't listen yeah. to their feedback.
1: It's finding that Goldilocks zone for each person, isn't it? Really understanding what what influences them.
2: Yeah, and I think the other thing is is to realise that not everyone um, thinks is motivated or learns the way you do. Mm. So there's a variation in that. Yes. And that's quite critical
3: to kind of tap into.
1: So if you are that chief entrepreneur or you are a leader that is uh, trying to uh, – Uh, you know push the innovation innovative culture onto the onto the uh, staff or workforce is that something that you really need to consider is the way everyone learns so go through um, going you know sort of communicating in different ways
2: yes so for me I think of I think in the CRM space, so sorry, acronyms. Yeah. Customer Relationship Management space. Yes,
1: you, you do work for government. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I have many TLAs. TLAs. Um,
2: you think of omni channel, and that's something that we're yep. thinking about. Mm-hmm. It's not every customer, if you think of their personas and who they are as people, True. wants to engage by ringing up. Maybe not everyone wants to engage by coming in, mm-hmm. not everyone wants to engage by um, internet. Mm -hmm. There's multiple ways people want to receive and give information and that translates directly to learning. And so I think about in a program, you want to have multiple Mm prongs. So I always focus on capability building, so internal capability. You get a coalition of the willing together, go with the energies and get your um, change champions or continuous improvement champions, thinking champions, whatever terminology works. But you form that coalition and then, you know, upskill them, then they can start coaching others, Mm -hmm. you know, it's that building that.
1: Absolutely, that ecosystem. Yes. Do you, so there's an interesting question for me has always been innovating to the point where it may adversely affect a section of your or or, or a part of your clientele. You know, use the government, local government example, you move to a, how can how can uh, our clientele or our customer base or community contact us? And a letter in the post is no longer viable, right? But that might.
2: So it might be legislated.
1: In what sense?
2: That the law says you must connect with them in writing, but what does writing mean? Correct. So you know, there's
1: that. Well, yeah. So well, even just from the the less technology, like technologically advanced people you know the older generation who want to make a hard landline phone call how do you not isolate them how do you not isolate them or do you make the decision 80 20 rule most people are yeah so where does that all fall you shake she's shaking her her and uh,
2: it's fascinating because in some in private industry so say space talk if i was thinking about their business model and the persona group's they were going after mm-hmm. we both might fall into that very nicely,
3: mm-hmm.
2: my mother in law probably yeah. met mm-hmm. so you can say i oh, don't need to include
1: well that that's a more of a that's more of an avatar thing isn't i I'm, I'm, I've got my target market, which yeah. is the the young families of the world
2: yeah, however, in the government context, we are to serve the community as a whole
1: but if 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 there's a minority group yes, that could potentially cost the government. You know three four hundred thousand dollars a year to keep that in place yeah is, that's it, tough. is it worthwhile is it
3: Well, it's
2: about what value means, so yeah. I think there'd be a lot there'd be a lot of consideration into that, so for example with our our new system, we need to consider that there are people who want to come to the front counter and talk to a person
3: yes, so Absolutely. like
2: in libraries, if you look at I love libraries
3: they, <laughs> I agree uh,
2: yeah, I love libraries. <laughs>
1: We'll ask you some book questions later, so that's yeah. good.
2: Um, but if you if you think about that, when uh, a lot of the libraries in South Australia move to uh, radio frequency identification, so RFID tagging and auto kind of self-check in and out, they still offer, but to a reduced capacity, the ability to um, go and speak to someone, get them to check your stuff in and out. Yeah, but they might do it in a mobile way. Mm. So it's more efficient for government, but it still fills and meets the customer need, which is I can talk to a person because I might be quite isolated at home and coming to the libraries where I connect.
1: Yeah, speaking to another human.
2: Yeah, and I think that's about what's the value we bring as a sector and that's not just efficiency with ratepayer money or
3: whatever, but it's...
1: yeah. When um, I'm just thinking about competition and looking at...
2: We're very competitive, council to council, just saying. (laughs) Not
1: really. Well, it's funny because, well, that's going to be my next question. It's because people can live really where they can afford to live and some councils, you know, you look at the burn sides of the world and and, and whatnot, people just can't... choose to live there because they can't afford to buy-in. You so, can't
2: move councils unless you move physical property. So, yes, well, that, that's you can't cl- choose who your council is at the moment. Unless, you might well, come.
1: well you, you can choose your council if you choose to live in this, If I, from a suburb perspective. Yeah, you know, I want to live. yes. Um, so, with that being said, are councils sharing ideas?
2: 100%. So, yeah. really fascinating question. Because when I came out of private industry where, um, for example, you know, I couldn't go down to Smith's Chips who made chips as an employee of Campbell Arnold's, who made chips at the time. Yeah.
1: And so, hey, yeah.
2: how are you doing with your yeah. efficiency? Knock you out us, yeah, Nike added us. Yeah, no that's way. Right. Yeah. However, I went, oh, we all do similar things. Like I think we've got the Local Government Act, which kind of determines what bare minimum you do. Mm-hmm your legislator to do but then there's other optional services that get uh, sponsored or paid for by council and they can be quite unique you know but there's a broad brush we have libraries do rates we do rubbish collection you know Mm -hmm. things like that playgrounds um but i thought wow none of us are direct competitors so why not connect and it was interesting because at the time Someone else came out of he actually was in armed forces and he joined another local government organisation and we got connected by, we did a course at the UniSA and we did a lean leadership course mm-hmm. and the facilitator connected us there. I love connections, that's yep. so good.
1: Yep. People connect yeah. just like me. A hundred percent, especially in Adelaide, it's so great. Yeah,
2: it is. So that was my like UniSA
1: connection
2: with me. But we formed, we started up uh, the local government Continuous Improvement Network and that was about um, has to be about eight years ago, eight or nine years ago, and they're still going nowadays. Brilliant. I was a chair for the first two or three years. Yeah. Then I left the sector briefly and dallied in not for profit and then, then rejoined the sector. But that's a platform for sharing. Because why reinvent the wheel? Great. So and what happens is there's and there's a, a similar network for IT professionals. Yeah. There's networks like that all throughout local government and I think the thing we do really well is collaborate because you cannot afford for each council to have an expert in this, an expert in that. So if a council does have that, how can you leverage?
1: And means everyone wins. It's we're doing it for South Australia. That's right.
2: And I think the other amazing thing about Marion is that and you'll be glad to hear this as a rate player of Chester. We've got a collaborative partnership with um, City of Chester and Port Adelaide Food mm-hmm. and we work. We've got shared resources across there that are very actually great. employed under the banner of three councils.
1: Oh, brilliant! Mm. That's new, is it?
2: Oh yeah, it's quite innovative in itself. I wasn't involved in setting that up, but I'm very happy to be a part of that ecosystem. So everyone
1: chips in a little bit of budget, and yeah. is that how it kind of works? Yeah. Who do, who do they answer to? Me?
2: Mm, interesting. There's I believe there's a governance body. Okay. But they have a reporting line but then a dotted line. So it's like a matrix structure and I think it's moving towards a future of work where the hierarchy thing doesn't quite. You know, you have teams of teams forming around problems rather than oh no, I'm in this team, so I'm only do this stuff and it's about for me it's about future and that's the way it feels what we're doing.
1: So, crazy question, but okay. with, with that concept in mind, will it ever all become one? Oh, it
2: could, but then the state government, right?
1: Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's true.
2: Too. I think you can be bigger. Yeah. So, you know, I
1: think we have 68 Yeah, governments. Yeah, but, so, um... well, you've, there's been a lot that's combined previously, like yeah. Charles Third is the perfect yeah. example of where two, two councils come for. Yes, like two or three and would we
2: West Yeah,
1: yeah. Yes, correct.
2: Out north, saw Queen Elizabeth, May Playford. But I think you could, this is, so for me, I've, I've since joining the sector questioned the three layers of government we have. And I think COVID's really shown how we're loosely coupled countries. Mm-hmm. It's really fascinating. Yeah. Um, but with that three layers, local government is called local government. So there's the risk of becoming too big and there's a tyranny of size in that, I think. Yeah that's true. So how do you serve a population that's so diverse? Yes. If you become too big. That's so true. The entire state of South Africa, you know.
1: Yeah, especially from a property's perspective, how do you keep your Yeah. Yeah.
3: That's
1: interesting. It's a that's a bucket of uh, bucket of worms that one there. Oh yeah. <laughs> Moving back to sharing ideas, you you talked about the three councils sharing ideas, working together, local councils connecting. um, You know, and you chaired that. Sorry, what was the Uh, continuous the continuous network Network across councils? And then looking at the private companies, which are in very much competition, keeping to themselves. Then you've got someone like Elon Musk who is just saying, here's the patents for my cars, I'm actually in this for the better of the human race.
2: From a position of being financially very secure?
1: Well, yes, he is. But isn't ultimately his purpose what we all should be doing in the sense that... If we're actually, if we have a product like using an Adidas Nike example, there's no real like we're a competition. We're only putting clothes on people's backs. so yeah. right? like that, that's a very sort of naive way of looking at it. But that's what we're doing. But from a the humanity perspective of putting people and colonizing across the universe and and whatnot and coming up with the technology to be able to do so and. Uh, for the green for the environment, we we're creating batteries that yes. uh, no, aren't no, emitting, no, yeah no, aren't emitting no. um pollution, and then the battery that he that the Tesla brought into the the state as well when we had that blackout all these sort of things he's just saying here's the here's the the, the specs for it, go and build it why aren't more businesses doing that why aren't more businesses connected to their purpose of envision vision?
2: I think it's interesting because I think what you're talking about is social enterprise Mm. and so, you know, profit for purpose and when I was in not-for-profit, so that term isn't great because it says uh, we can lose. It almost says profit's a dirty word. Yes, correct. where there's a margin, there's a mission was this tagline of our CEO and so, you know, if you if you continually lose money, lose money, lose money, you go out of business, and you can't
1: fulfil the mission you have. Correct. So. Well, you, well, you're only you, you're bounded by your level of thinking.
2: Yes, and you're bounded by oh, I can't pay any staff to deliver these services, mm. so now the most needy go without because this money's being wasted in an inefficient kind of administrative yep. process or something. Agreed. So I think. More companies are. There's a huge social enterprise movement in Adelaide and there's across the world. And I think the companies that will come out and be more successful as younger generations come through are the ones who will have a mission and a purpose that's bigger than the product they do.
1: Yeah. Do you feel like that's where we're all moving?
2: I'd like to think so. Be nice. Hope so. I I'd like to live in that world.
1: Yeah, where the forward think is. Uh...
2: Yeah, not just
1: profit-driven. Yeah.
2: Mm. And um, I think it can be... Um, it's about what you do then with the profit. So where do you reinvest it?
3: Hmm.
2: Do you reinvest it back into developing um, the the broader society as a whole rather than...
1: Putting in your pocket and a your...
3: Yeah, exactly.
1: Look, I don't... I'm not... I don't want to seem like I'm one of those people that are knocking money making, right? We're all we're all in the game to make a bit of coin and and live a life that uh, of of comfort, I suppose. If that's yes. you know living life without boundaries, which would be from a from a financial perspective, which would be exciting for for all. But it's about I think Gabriella and Michelle Michelle Holland, who you know, uh, we were talking today. Is that when you know once you've earned a billion dollars? Yeah, a do do? yeah, billion dollars is what a 100, 100, 100 million or something like that is a ridiculous amount of money. And the idea of being able to spend all that mm. just blows my you mind. You just can't, you really. just couldn't, you couldn't, you That's couldn't, why. especially if you have 180 million, like the okay. Elon, right? He's yeah. worth all yeah. Jeff Bezos from Amazon, 180 okay. billion. Yeah, Gates, $180 billion. You you couldn't spend that in, in, in your life. In your life, you even couldn't.
2: Even if you just put money everywhere. Yeah, you couldn't spend it. So why wouldn't you do good? Although Gabs
1: thinks she could. But I think...
2: But <laughs> <laughs> well, you think even, I think someone won, I, I don't normally pay attention, but someone won Powerball when it was $50 million. Yeah. So yeah, I saw that. if you got you that, $50 actually, yeah. million, what could you do? I,
1: well... Well, I think I'm a very purpose-driven person. So, for me, I would I would look to, to do things that would benefit South Australia. I'm very South Australian-focused. Um, but there are others who will just go and buy every single car. They'll buy themselves a helicopter maybe a private jet. And then, it might
2: be okay to buy an A-car. Yeah, well. You know, I think about So, it's funny because I think about who's around me. Correct.
1: You know, make
2: my family safe and secure. Yeah. And then think about how do you then set that up
1: for broader people. Yeah, set it up that we're living a comfortable life, and then and then give it back to the yeah. the non for profits and, yeah. and give it back to the, the the charities and whatnot that are doing some good in the world. I'd like to, I'd like to think that most people would think that way, but they don't. The other thing where I believe would be putting it in startups because because oh, yeah. you, you can give to charities, yes. Absolutely, and you know, by all means, um, investing into charities is a great thing to do. But startups could potentially change the world, right? So I think that that's the other bit I feel like it would be job creation. Job creation, yes, yeah. yeah, creating. But well, you think from a, you know, the amount of technologies that are that have been that have risen, and and the amount of uh, yeah, like you said, job creations and the way of thinking that have changed, and we're moving into a. Some would say a better world, from a technology standpoint. You know, investing in those startups and it would be something of interest. I think we're talking hypothetically. Here, I think so. so. <laughs> we'll get there one day. Maybe if we win the Powerball Gaps, we'll, we'll throw some money down. I'm not really a gambler. No, <laughs> calculated risk. Okay, yeah. what's
2: my return like? But yeah, I'll no, cover. The- are not in favour for Powerball.
1: <laughs> no, it, the, the whole system seems ludicrous. You, you you can get six numbers, but then one number, you rely on one other <laughs> number. Like it just doesn't make sense. What, what do you believe, we talked before about people um, learning in different ways and, um, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. When trying to influence a business about moving towards a new innovation, or even trying to influence the business or leaders above you, so managing up, what are ways that we can influence uh, to 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 lead us towards continuous improvement and innovation? And do you mean by
2: personal as a person? How can you?
1: Yes, yeah, as a as an individual, I'm looking. To, I've got some some great ideas. But I'm just, I keep banging my head against the wall. I, I'm just not getting anywhere. My my leaders don't want to, they're not listening to me. So it's either I, I, look, I'm not getting fulfilled, so I think about leaving the company or, uh, but I really love the purpose of the company. So, the, you know, all these these questions get thrown around all the time. How do we influence up or, or, or um, influence those around us to to start thinking in different ways?
2: I think the number one thing is to inspire trust,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: so you need to deliver on what you say you're going to. So, if I think in, it's very good to try to reflect on yourself mm-hmm. and think, Am I doing what I need to do in my gig?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Because if you're not, it's really hard to influence from a place of not delivering on your role. Yeah. Does that right. mean... So that's super
1: hard. It, it would mean. Does that mean we have to, if we want to move up in the world, we have to go, if we want to influence others, we have to go over and above what we're getting paid to do?
3: Well, I've
2: always like there's a saying I did a, um many years ago, a certificate for in personal training. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the lecturer said something like, always do more than you get paid to do and eventually get paid to do it
1: that's Something true like that. yeah and, um, it makes sense
2: you know and maybe the money's not the motivator yeah. but for me if you can always you know just you it's discretionary effort yeah
1: dress for the job that you don't have to yeah work. correct <laughs> <laughs> if you want it yeah absolutely <laughs> and not everyone does
2: <laughs> but for me if you feel like you're hitting brick walls maybe think about am i approaching it as the way i receive information Absolutely.
1: we can only look at Yourself, yes, really can't you?
2: Well, you can observe others and think, Well, that person seems to be quite successful in mm. um, getting their ideas heard. Yeah,
1: or, so pick, pick the brain of others, yes, definitely. Look at those who are potentially leading the way in the company.
2: There's nothing better than the, um, watching observation of others who <clears throat> maybe have attributes you would like to do a lot more.
1: Yeah, well, what if you do keep coming up against a leader that's just like Daniel? Cass, no. I told you no.
2: Well, then you have to really consider, is that your future? Mm. I think it's an interesting problem. It is. Could you move internally? Mm. You know, is there an opportunity to – it's quite hard. I don't like – for me, you know, then going to the next level is – I don't love that,
3: you know. Yeah.
1: I, yes.
2: It's very difficult. puts you in a very difficult position if – you then go, oh, well, they're not listening to me and they never listen. And...
1: But what if the reason you're doing it is because it's for the community?
3: Oh, that's very
1: difficult. Because mm. it shouldn't matter who you speak to then, should it?
2: Not really. And that's the thing. I think there's – that's why I think in a company you need a culture where that doesn't happen, mm. but it may. And if you have systems in place where you have people who might be go-to people for – ideas and, you know, you have the innovation person in place or a coach in place. You're champions. They can help support you and they're an alternate voice. Mm -hmm. And often it's good to recruit people from the outside of your department to maybe get them across the line or a peer of your leader, you know, talk to them about this is what I'm thinking and then maybe try to orchestrate some kind of discussion around that. It's a difficult. It's a touchy one. subject. Oh
1: yeah. Having a tough conversation with you later. Like, oh I oh my out. goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Most people avoid that. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. It's if, funny because I I don't ever feel that I can't uh, raise an idea if I really feel strongly
1: about. It. I, I, yes, and I'm the same. So and it's I hard ha- for me to answer. Problems. I have I have I have this conversation with family members, friends all the time. And my response is just walking into their office and have a, have a conversation, but it's like, no, I wouldn't dare do that. And the fear of losing their job uh, will always outweigh the level of conversation that they're having, which is an interesting perspective.
2: Yeah, and I think then it's hard for me to give insight. It's not something I really struggle
3: hmm.
2: with, um, but I have... Over time, I feel like I've built my skill set by watching those who've got what. I thought, wow, how did they get that across? so much?
1: Yeah, well, I think there's a, there is a real skill set to it. It's, it's, it's having a confidence in yourself and confidence yeah. in actually what you're trying to deliver and belief in what you're trying to deliver.
2: I think it's a belief. And for yeah. me, I'm very bad at advocating for stuff for myself personally. However, I can if I had to go and advocate on your behalf, I'm all at it. Yeah, and so
1: why is that? Oh, I don't
2: know.
1: That's a hard. Is that? Stuff. Is that? Are we, we're getting into the coaching zone here, knows yeah, is, is, <laughs> is that? Is that because uh, you're not as emotionally connected to the idea?
2: Uh, maybe I think it's because it's for me. If it's about a greater good, mm. there's
1: so much. Yeah, um, but your, but your, yeah. but your ideas would be for greater good too, wouldn't they?
2: Oh yeah, I mean more personally for myself. Okay. as in I need this personally. Oh, I see. Yeah. No, I can definitely advocate
1: ideas. From a a good perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Makes sense. So I'm a leader of a business and I'm saying, righto, we're going to create a new innovative uh, approach. Uh, Next step, do I go and fire those people who aren't innovative? (laughs) No. (laughs) How do we we deal with those people who, uh, you know, that leader we're just talking about now who's not interested in it?
2: Well, I think it's about demonstrating value for them. Mm -hmm. What's in it for them? You've got to find the sweet spot because maybe it's really frustrating for them, that process too, but it's not the thing you're focused on. Mm -hmm. And I always like to do quick wins and deliver something really rapidly so that then they're like, oh, trust is inspired here. Yeah. Yeah. And then you bring people along. To be honest, where there's... If people are identified like that, for me, they're the ones I spend a lot of time with influencing because often they're very passionate about what they do. Yeah. And they want it to be right, and that's why they're putting up barriers often.
3: Yeah. And they may
2: not have felt heard before. Yeah. And if you can get them across the line, you've got the biggest advocate in the world. So I put effort into you've got earlier doctors who are going to come on the journey. Yeah. And you support them and you love them and you cherish them. You've got the the kind of the next followers. They're 100% where, you know, you put some systems in place, some templating, put peer coaching in place around, you know, your, um, your early adopters mm-hmm. to support them through yep. things. But generally they will come along and it's the other group that you might need to spend more time in truly understanding. And I think it's interesting, in a, often in a government context, our industrial laws are very different to private industry. Mm. So, you know, in a private industry, people make different decisions. Yes, but right. in, like, in government context, yes, it's yes. about we need to work with these people. Maybe they are afraid that they won't have a job that's meaningful at the end of this. Mm. Are you going to automate my job?
3: Yeah, that's a scary one.
2: Yeah. And so how do you help them feel confident that as um, leaders you will look after them? And that's by delivering on that commitment. Mm. You can't just say to someone, oh, you'll be fine. You have to actually deliver listen to them along the way, upskill them, you know, give yeah. them the opportunities. Maybe some people
3: might need a move roles, but can you help them through that process?
1: Yeah. So, how do you then? How do you manage people who say, "No, I like the way it is." <laughs> who are scared a bit of cha- scared of a bit of a change.
2: I must admit, I like going where there's energy mm. and where you know you always have pockets of excellence yeah. and connecting that. And I think if people are um, if I'm hearing things, like I'm afraid of change. I'm not comfortable with this. I
1: have well, one-on-one s- conversations. For for well, yeah, for those people who, are, uh, like you mentioned just now, was yeah. that they're scared that their their role is going to become automated and potentially become redundant. They've got a family uh, yeah. that they need to look after. Kids are in a private school, whatever it might yeah. be. They've got bills to pay, all the above. And they're putting their heels in saying oh, i'm not changing. I like the way it is i'm not going what are we what are we as a business to
2: I think there's a lot of work you need to do with their leaders mm-hmm. around understanding because usually, as an improvement practitioner, your skill set is around improving and working on the business, mm-hmm. not executing with excellence. So if you look at the areas you're talking about are generally. In the execution streams, where delivering services consistently with efficiency and effectiveness over time,
0: mm-hmm.
2: not working on the business. And so often, leaders in that space cannot feel confident with leading their teams through that. So, I feel like there's a lot of work with the leaders before you even start on that journey to get them up to a place of confidence with leading change. And even being comfortable in themselves with
3: change.
2: Because mm. I must admit, when the IT team want to take my laptop and re-image it, I don't want that. Yeah,
1: I like <laughs> I don't, my... Yeah, I don't want that change. I like the way it is. And I
2: feel like I embrace change, but there's levels of people. Everyone has a different changer.
1: Well, because it, yeah, it means that you're gonna. There's a bit of extra hours there. You're gonna have yeah. to put back into it. Yeah, but I mean, but, but you don't hard. stop. You don't put your heels in. Do no, you? no. Yeah. I, so there's a difference between not liking change yeah. and going through with it anyway yes. and completely saying no, I'm not doing this.
2: Yeah. I don't know what you do when people say no, I think there's a performance discussion. There
3: is. It has to be.
2: It's no other way. And um
3: Well because
1: particularly
2: it... in a government sector we have no forced redundancies in our yeah. enterprise agreement. And so you know, but as, as an employee and an employee, do you want to be in that relationship space? It's probably not ideal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So
2: it has to be a performance discussion.
1: Yeah, most okay. definitely. I don't like
2: that as an answer, but I think at the end of the day you end up.
1: Well, ultimately, the role of any business is to ensure that there is the business is of going concern. So it's about uh, continuing... The ability to improve and add value to the clientele
3: yeah right?
1: and um and if n- no person or shareholder or anyone should should be block getting blocked that absolutely we are uh, i'm really we we are a cultural and strategy leadership and uh, change business consulting and and we we do a lot of work with businesses in sort of that workforce management. Space when looking at innovation and, and trying to actually acquire people with the right skills, is there an opportunity to train and educate and develop the people existing?
2: Oh, 100%. I think that's um, some really interesting stats out of my, um, my lecturing work is that, you know, for example, with creativity, I'm, I must admit, I thought. I wasn't particularly creative because I didn't do visual arts, but then I did some creativity kind of tests, and I'm like, oh, oh." but there's more than one type of creativity, and we often think of it in one dimension. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's some statistics that at two years of age, 98% of humans will test at um, genius level for creativity. Mm -hmm. By 31, only 2%. Oh, wow. Because our systems and structures beat it out of us a little yeah, bit, yeah. Um, you know, education, um, and that's an interesting mm-hmm. thing too. Because we're it <laughs> flipping education on its head, is what um, we like. Our, our topic coordinator likes to talk about because we're doing experiential learning, not just lecturing and content delivery. So we're doing learning by
3: doing in yeah. the
2: classroom environment, um, but that's in a safe way. You can take those risks, so. Fundamentally, you can do
1: that with any population. Yeah, it's funny because we we're just talking about the education sector earlier. Michelle Gabbs and myself were talking yeah. about you know, Sir Ken Robinson's yes. TED yeah, talk, yeah. who talks about it. You know, you pull someone out from uh, uh, from you know, nineteen uh, not the early nineteen hundreds. And bring them in today's environment, and they'll be very confused and yeah. sort of overwhelmed as to what's happening. But you put them in a classroom, and they'll feel and they'll feel very comfortable, which tells us that the education system hasn't, is, 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 <laughs> hasn't really been innovating. I like to call it a much. sausage
2: factory.
1: Oh, really? So tell us about that. Well,
2: you know, most people want a sausage that comes out consistently, good quality, yep. similar shape, size.
1: Ah, so we're conforming to yeah, 11. but
2: including boxes as we go along. Because it's, it's set scary. up for the industrial work revolution.
1: It is. The old smoke-o-break. It's yeah. Recess, yeah. yeah.
2: Going into factories, doing manual labour, repetitive tasks, not um, having to period your job every day and learn new skills and keep up with the pace of change that we have. So I think some schools are doing better than others they 100%, are. but yeah. there's still fundamentally like the fact that school hours are 8.30 to
1: three thirty, like who works those hours? It's not mm. aligned to any kind of No it's not work. Well it's not aligned to the the common environment now where we're gonna be working from home. Yeah. Oh exactly. So it's actually going to be interesting seeing my, my my children go to school in a, in the, to a city school. I do work in the city, but I'm nowhere. I'm not in the city like I was every day before. So now it's frustrating for me to come into the yeah. It's yeah. It's a half an hour trip each way um, to uh, t- to get them to school. It's an hour I lose. So schools are going to have to start. You know, thinking. There are more and more parents like me, yes, the simple decision is taking them to a school closer, but what if the I don't like the yeah, education exactly. of a, yeah, so so education is definitely an area that needs some radical innovation, yes, and forward thinking
2: definitely, but it's very fascinating for me, and it goes back to that executing with excellence versus innovating new business models. you know schools are generally led by educators mm. That is their thing. Yeah, uh, but is it their thing to work on a business model of a school?
1: Correct. Well, the, you know, the principals a CEO, effectively. Correct, and they're generally ex-te- ex-teachers. Yeah, and well, and have seen
2: or, or, that story for their whole career. So you know, I've worked across five different sectors, and I like to think that you know, one thing I bring to the table is seeing many different stories, because you learn from those different. Yeah. experiences and being in different sectors and working with different people. But if you've only worked in a school, if you've only worked in a fact, I don't know, for me there's opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Moving around.
1: Oh, yeah, you see different ideas. Yeah. Bring in some brand and marketing yeah. <laughs> into the piece. I remember I said uh,
2: <laughs> that the library is a book factory and I was voted out very badly in the
3: library team, but, you know. <laughs> What's
1: well, funny, because you see... Uh, you see stadiums get named after sponsors now. Do you think we could get that way with schools? You know, the Optus School oh, or something no, like that's that. That's terrible. <laughs> it's being innovative, isn't it? True. <laughs> I think we are. We're, we're coming to to the end. Uh, to the end. We, we've, we've broached on the on the hour over the hour mark now. What does the future look like f- for you in the world of innovation? What are you? Uh, with some where, where do you feel that your career is is going? And I don't want to put you in a position yeah. where, <laughs> yeah, awkward. Just more from an innovation perspective and teaching of of the children, uh, sorry, children, the teaching uh, of uh, young, uh, young adults, I should say. Yeah. Uh, what what's your is do you have any do you have, do you have any reservations on where we're going as a, as a race from an innovation perspective? Oh,
2: I think we I think if. COVID proved anything, is that we can go faster than we are. Mm -hmm. But we let all these constructs, you know, kind of constrain our thinking. mm -hmm. So I think COVID's been the best thing. Like
1: it's in silver linings. Yeah, absolutely.
2: But I love there's a... From a
1: technological advancement, COVID's been...
2: But also change of ways of work. Correct. So if you think about who would have thought that... Pretty much you can work from home. Correct. Many, many ways. In some you cannot at this stage, but that will be pushed. You know, you've got remote or, uh, we've got robots that are being run by doctors remotely doing mm. surgery in some cases, you know. So I think if we can challenge our thinking about how we work, um, but, you know, what can we do that adds value for that travel and commute time that we used to take?
1: Mm. Yeah.
2: There's those kind of.
1: Well, I think the, what I'm really excited about is that we can almost hire anyone from all over the world.
2: Oh, 100%. I think about who's competing for roles now. Anyone can. Anyone can. And, and you what know, that so would... I did Google, I was like, oh, seek, search, work from home only jobs. Yeah. Available.
1: Is that an option on seek? Is it work from yeah. home only?
2: <laughs> yes, now. There you go. Yeah. And, and it so... would never have been the case.
1: No. And so that also means that your business could potentially be anywhere. Yeah. Especially for like a consulting oh, 100%. But, you, <laughs> you know, I think
2: there's been businesses operating like this on the fringes for years.
1: Yeah, but now it's an open open market. I Is think it,
2: people's eyes are open that it's possible and you don't lose as much as maybe you thought. However, I still think it's really important to remain connected and that's where the effort goes.
3: Yeah. You know, you
2: don't do the commute. How can you keep connected to people?
1: Hmm. Do you think if, if we were to hire someone from in, overseas in a role that they could just work from home every day, never actually meeting that person face-to-face is an issue? Um,
3: depends on, I think it depends on the person. And the individual? Yeah. And yeah. no. on the team? Yeah. Yeah.
2: For me, I don't think so, personally, mm. but in COVID, I had the opportunity to join a number of Zoom platforms that I wouldn't have like some conferences on innovation that were here. Yeah, internationally, I never would have gone. I met someone who's doing a PhD in South America. They've connected with me since to just get my insights on something, you know. Those connections have always existed, but how do you get into those connections? Yeah,
1: you're creating new networks.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think we you asked about the future of education and the future of innovation. I think it's really about um taking control of risks, um, being confident, but also being prepared that the change is happening and it will be sustained. So, for example, um, when I started uh, teaching, we were pretty much 100% online. Yep. Now we're doing hybrid, so I've got 30 in a class. I've got 12 online. How do I keep a room of people plus online connected? yeah. Must be
3: exhausting.
2: Oh, yeah, I'm very tired. It's that. <laughs> very
1: rewarding. Well, I think the no risk thing with, I think you mentioned it earlier, no risk with no punishment. Mm. Sorry, no, uh, so failures with no punishment, I should say. Yeah. Apologies. Uh, failures with no pu- punishment is, is the way, isn't it? It's like you're allowed to make mistakes. It's that growth mindset element. Isn't 100%. It?
2: And you have to, I think, start that from school. So schools mm. that offer enterprise kind of you know learning
3: mm. not just
2: the traditional you know if you're doing innovation in the school environment are you taking kids through the design thinking process are you taking them exposing them to all these different um, elements in a safe environment where they can fail and be coached you know you become a coach and a peer rather than that's know, true the teacher at the front of the room we
1: can all lead. yeah Active learners and mm. engaged. I love it. Beautiful. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up now okay. with some rapid-fire questions.
3: No pressure.
1: I kind of start off a bit easy with the first one. I said we are going to talk about books, and I know you're a big learner. Uh, you're, you prefer audible. Audible, audible yeah. Yes, I like
2: audio books.
1: Yeah, I'm the same. Yeah. Actually, I, no, I, I lie. If I, 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 I read books. Um. Actually, I listen to the audiobook first. If I like it, I then buy it and then I read it.
2: Oh, interesting.
1: But I read the chapters that I liked. Yeah. Not the whole book.
2: I listen mostly to books
3: for
1: work or
2: that kind of professional development. Correct. And for relaxation, I read physical
1: copies. Ah, yes. Yeah, because it is nothing better than sitting in the chair. Amazing. Sun chair or whatever it is. So that being said, what is your number one recommendation for a book for those who are looking into innovation.
3: Oh
2: man, I'm not very good with names, so I don't remember names of books and putting me on the spot for that. But a- I love <laughs> anything by Adam Grant and Seth Godin. Ah, oh, well, they're, so yeah, they're the yeah. three twos for me.
1: Yes, Adam Grant is a superstar, and Seth is a genius. Yes, brilliant.
2: Am I kind of? I would just subscribe to Seth Godin's blog. Mm-hmm. Because I think that often people feel intimidated by reading the entire book.
3: Yeah. And
2: so um, the blogs are like paragraphs.
1: So that, that's, a, that's a can of worms that you've opened there because I believe most people don't like reading because they can never get through a book. They go, no, I can't read it. Exactly. Because of their thought process that they couldn't finish the book. Yes. That's why I don't read like that. Yes. Read the chat. Whereas
2: if you make it accessible...
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well read the chapters that you need. Put the book down if you don't need it. Like it's pretty simple. Just I also, the, 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 I also <laughs> love like an audio
2: book that's <laughs> worth listening to. Because it is hard to read. Is the obstacle is away.
1: Oh, that's a brilliant book. Actually, you're right. R- Ryan Holiday's writing is difficult to read, it but is. really great to listen to. I love to. his voice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I found that the same. Here's another one called Ego. Is your oh, yes, yes. And I, uh, to and I read that and struggled through it but listened to it and loved it. So, yeah, it is a, it's interesting, the different, yeah. Brilliant. We could talk about this forever. I'll go down. Yeah. And I'll, <laughs> stuff. What's an advice that you would give to your 10-year-old self? Oh, my
2: girls are 10 year old, so that's fascinating. There you go. Mm. Uh, to follow my heart and to really back myself in and not do what people thought I was good at.
3: Oh,
1: There you go.
2: Mm. So I, I did engineering.
1: Because people thought you were good at it. Well, I was good
2: at math, science, physics, chem. and English, but, you know. So you are good at that, so you should really use the career circle, the careers you can choose from at uni. I knew I wanted to go to uni. So here's what you would – and I am. At it, but I don't
1: love On reflection, what would have you chosen?
2: Oh. I think I would have done psychology.
1: Oh, ah.
3: mm.
1: yeah, it's pretty interesting mm. The inner workings working Yeah,
2: because I love anything, organizational development. But for me, innovation a critical thing is understanding
3: how people think mm. differently, you
1: know, what's enabling people to think differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, love it. What's one item on your bucket list?
2: I would like to go to Iceland.
1: Iceland? Yeah. I heard it's very green. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love well, it. Well, that's, that's one thing that's always confused me, about Iceland's green and Greenland's ice. I know. <laughs> Strange. but So why Iceland? Uh,
2: I love, I've read a bunch of the sagas.
1: Ah, yeah. And
2: um, I just love the storytelling. I love the language is... Mm. Unbelievable. I watch a lot of the Nordic Wine. So you know, yeah, and it's yeah. in subtitles you have
1: to read. So, you know.
3: Brilliant.
2: Yeah.
1: Iceland. It's not yeah, not on my bucket list. But
2: I want to see the Northern now, Lights. I,
1: ah yes. Oh well that is a yeah. that is one item I think I would yeah. like to do. Yeah, you're right. Beautiful. Uh and you not know,
2: many people go there, so that's another
1: Yeah, day. so tourism is there yeah, uh, yeah. a, a reason why? Oh no! No, yeah, probably they go to the islands. You yeah. <laughs> um, if you had access to a time machine and you could go once to back or forward, So a return trip, but one return trip. Where would you go? I
2: reckon I'd go to when my girls were about four. Okay. Yeah, because so six years ago. Yeah, because. So
1: you could travel through any time and you go, all right, because, because what?
2: Because I, I feel like you blink and they grow.
1: Oh. Right?
2: So they were at a great. They still are, but it's different, right? They're becoming, now entering into that puberty phase and they're becoming little adults. And I'm like, wow. Whereas then, you're still the apple of their eye hmm. and everything is about you as their parents or their caregivers. And. But
1: they can have a really great
0: conversation with you and they're
2: still cuddling. Yeah. <laughs> Is that yeah,
1: fascinating? Everyone's, everyone's tearing up here. I oh, know. <laughs> I have a I have a nine and a seven year old, so two girls as well, and I you know exactly you what I mean. <laughs> exactly what you're talking about. My dad I went to wake up my daughter this morning, you know, I walk in there and poke her just yeah, to of her course. annoy the annoy the shit out of her and dad, you're annoying and I'm getting all this already. It's mm-hmm. not good. Well, I used to be the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get that. I still am the best, but no, no. I normally play the song, you know,
2: Open Your Mind, but I see you Open Your Eyes, <laughs> yeah. you dance on at the top yeah, of the volume, yeah. and they're like, you are annoying, <laughs> you're not
1: funny. They used to laugh. Yeah. So I have to find new jokes. Yeah. Well, yeah, we've got a question coming up about <laughs> <laughs> uh If you could have one superhero power, what would it be?
3: I would like
1: to live forever. Oh, live forever.
3: Mm.
2: I know it's sad. Everyone around you would go and come, but you'd have the opportunity to, you know, you wouldn't have, you could use hindsight.
1: Would, would you get old? No. You, oh, look? I'd
2: get to a certain point. You'd want to age. Right, so right 20. now. Well, maybe, I don't know. Ten
1: years ago? Yeah. So you're going to need the time machine then live forever?
2: <laughs> yeah, but I would love to just have the opportunity to, so scientist at heart. Yeah. I love experiments and innovation is experimenting, but it's rapid experimenting over yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to do that experiment on myself oh. over
1: time forever, infinity. Be
2: only
1: eventually you get over. It. Would you get bored? Yeah, yeah sure. probably. I don't because I, I, there's an element. I'm going to go philosophical here, but there's an element of me which believes that, that what that's what makes life exciting is that we it's in, it's, um, it, it's finite so probably but then
2: you have a lot of regret potentially
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true you're right correct well that's okay. the, isn't that the key to life to try to live without regret yeah correct now last one what's your best dad slash mum joke
2: <laughs> i have too many <laughs> brilliant
1: so you're going to come up with a new one test it on us first
2: oh well, it's my daughter so i can't really take care okay. of that, but she created a joke
1: she created it. Yeah. I'll be the judge of that. Yeah. I've heard it before. Okay. So, what
2: kind of what kind of music do they listen to on the moon?
1: <laughs> what kind of music? Moon I mean. rock. <laughs> it's sad. <laughs> I like it. But
2: I laugh, and I will play that one, and I'm like, "Did you read it in a book?" She's like, "No, I just thought about it.
3: I'm like, "Okay, good." <laughs> yeah.
1: Take that, run with it. That's brilliant. I love it. I'm going to use that. I'm going to tell that to my kids. Oh, yeah. that would be like, Dad, you're sad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just add to the pile of Dad, you're sad. That's it. Perfect. Thank you very much for today, Cass. Good That's welcome. been absolutely amazing. I believe, yeah, those who are looking to uh, think about how to innovate within their companies would have got or gathered a lot of information from you there, so thank you very much. You're welcome. Where can we find you?
2: Uh, LinkedIn is good. LinkedIn? On LinkedIn,
1: yes. And you're happy to be contacted? Sure. Excellent. So Cass Gannon? Yes. On LinkedIn? Yes. Brilliant. Thank you very much, guys. That's us for today. Thank you again. Thank you. We'll, uh, We'll catch you all next time.
0: Thank you once again for joining us here at Creating Synergy. It's been great spending this time with you please jump onto the Synergy IQ Facebook and LinkedIn page where the discussion continues after the show. Join our mailing list so you'll know what's happening next at synergyiq.com.au. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And if you really enjoyed it, please share it with your friends.